Hello, everyone. I'm back with episode six of There Are Only Waves. To remind you all, this is a podcast where I tell the story of my spiritual journey from evangelical Christianity to where I am now. My intention is to form a community where people from both spiritual and non-spiritual backgrounds can talk to each other on an even playing field. I want to foster a conversation where people can feel heard about where they're coming from and not be afraid to talk about what they actually believe. So this is a follow-up to our last episode. We have one new guest. Um, you can introduce yourself however you want to. We don't always use our full names, but... Um, you guys do, like, pseudo names and stuff? Huh? Well, I'm Dan P., he's Dan K., and that's... Well, Jeremy Washington, I guess, is going full <laughs> name here, bro. Um, call me Mr. E. You want to be Mr. E? Yeah, I like the name. All right. That right now. Mr. E. Okay, thank you. Um... <laughs> Mr. E, I hope that doesn't take away from our conversation. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm just joking. Um, so yes, our new guest, Mr. E, is here, um, and uh, you know, <laughs> it's nice to do back-to-back episodes um, since that doesn't happen too often or ever with my podcast. Um, so yeah. Um, also, yes, Jeremy and Dan are back. What? What? Uh, yeah but let's get to it Um, as discussed on the previous episode what we're talking about in this episode is the new momentum of Black Lives Matters Um, obviously it's been a crazy week and a half and since I won't be publishing on the date of a recording to let you know the day we are recording is June 7th so we're talking up to this date Um, and um, so as suggested by my friend Dan here uh, the way we will be going about talking about current events will be a segment called The Good, The Bad, and The WTF. Um, Dan, could you explain more how the segment's going to work? Sure. Um, Jeff Yang and Phil Yu have a podcast called They Call Us Bruce, which discusses current events in Asian America. They conclude each episode of the podcast with a segment they call The Good, The Bad, and The WTF. We'll do three rounds of sharing. First, we'll share something each of us thinks is good or positive, about the surge in momentum around Black Lives Matter and the end ending police violence following the murders of Maude Arbery, Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, David McAtee, and Bernardo Palacios Carabajal. Next, we'll share a bad thing or a critique on this topic. And finally, we'll share a WTF or thing that confuses us about this topic. So let's begin. The good. And feel free to respond in any order you want to. <laughs> I'm you, so you guys lead the way. <laughs> um, I, uh, I guess I'll jump in. Yeah, go ahead. <clears throat> the good uh, is one thing uh, I feel like a lot more people are talking about it, particularly companies. Um, like mm-hmm. if you, uh, like Netflix put out a statement, Amazon, if you go to order something on Amazon, then they have in black and white letters, Black Lives Matter. You have uh, other companies that are putting out statements. And so I feel like the good is that more people are being forced to talk about it and to address it. Um, I don't know if it will actually lead to anything because, you know, a statement is one thing, but actually doing something about uh, what is happening and making sure that uh, your company is diverse enough to be able to have these conversations with people that matter and not just have, you know, a bunch of people that are at sea level suites that are, you know, Caucasian talking about diversity, which is hilarious in my opinion. <laughs> it's like, that, that's another thing. So like putting your money where your mouth is, like they are, I see some companies are donating to um, uh, nonprofit organizations that are looking to help uh, the black community or minority community as a whole. Like, but also if they can look within themselves and see how they can reach out to the black community or minority community, whatever, to actually make sure that um, they themselves aren't, you know, uh, being wrapped up in this conscience of, oh, well, all lives matter, or that I can't relate to that because we don't have the numbers or the diversity numbers to actually have that type of conversation. Uh, that would be that'd be good as well. Yeah. I, think, I guess I would go from there unless you had anything else to say. Mm-hmm. I think it's... Uh, it's amazing how much attention is pulling into it because it's not only the United States that's having this protest, it's the whole world. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys saw the president from Canada, but he's like, 
he took a big pause when he was asked how he feels about what's going on in America. And he literally said, well, this is a good opportunity for us to look within ourselves and see the racism that's going on with this country. So I think it's, it's, it's great that it's pulling that attention and it's pulling it to, you know, to the surface area. But again, and I, I won't go too much into but, because that's the next part of the question, but I just love the fact that people are seeing what's going on, like Jeremy said, pulling attention to what's, what's happening, but more importantly, people uniting. You know what I mean? Like at first, yes, there was a little bit of tension between blacks and Latinos, but now it's like the push is uniting. You know what I mean? I think at the end of the day, it's all about looking at each other and it's like people are people regardless of their color. Um, and the Black Lives Matter, I mean, I don't think people truly understand minority experience unless you live it and unless you hear it from someone who felt it or who experienced it. Like Jeremy was saying, those white people in those high positions should listen to every staff member, not only the CEOs or that, but like the janitors, like, you know, everything from the bottom up, just really see what's going on. I mean, everyone talks about systemic racism. What is that? You know what I mean? Like, if we don't understand it, then how are we going to fix it? Yeah. Um, so I, again, negative. So I love the fact that people are uniting and it's calling <laughs> attention to us getting better, not only as a country, but at the like individual level, you know what I mean? I mean, I hope that younger generations are seeing like, oh shit, there's something wrong, we need to do something about it. So, mm -hmm. yeah, I don't know how much I have to talk or not, but... Are you good, man? It's, a, it's, a, it's, <laughs> an open, it's an open conversation, that's what, what we're doing right now, so... Um, I'll go with, I guess, my good. Um, it's, it's good, one good thing, I guess... And I, I loved how, actually, Dan brought this in the last episode. I was going into the episode, being aware of, um, we, in the last episode we talked about um, Asian Americans, anti-blackness, and COVID-19. Um, and I thought this was a great kind of, I guess, tie-in to that episode. And some, obviously, like, we it's interesting to watch the past few months go from, like, here's this pandemic, we all have to stay at home, indoors, and... Um, we can't go out anywhere, but then you, you created this whole economic situation where people were out of work. We, we kind of talked about some of that in the last episode. Um, but I think what what has happened now, it's like there was this, I mean, breaking point, basically, um, with Black Lives Matter, where suddenly we're all kind of present to, you know, I think social situation more in general has been more apparent in our face the past few months, just to be like, oh, there's economic disparity in this country. Oh, the majority of people that have COVID-19 are black. Like, there are these things that are happening because the, the systemic racism that has been here for such a long time is coming out in these, in these ways now. Um, and just to have um, really just awful police brutality to happen um, is is thankfully being put on blast and it's like it's sad these people died in this process but now we're here and we're actually talking about race in america in a way that i think none of us in our lives have experienced almost like i i, I don't want to go too much on a tangent i feel like i'm kind of doing that right now but um i was trying what i was trying to do because i have a tendency to go around in circles and stuff um, was we talked about spirituality in the last podcast. I wanted to bring it back. Um, my good is that um, seeing people I know, I guess I grew up with in the evangelical community that are talking about this, that are going to protest, that are posting on social media. Um, I'm just like, huh, like my evangelical experience often wasn't matched by social action. And to say like, oh, everyone's actually aware how egregious this is. They're going to say something they're going to do something. I'm like, this is amazing. This is actually really cool to see. So that is my good. Oh, I do want to say one thing, though. Like, I know this is more of the negative part, but it's sad that civil rights happened, what, year 1960s around there, right? In the 1960s? Yeah, 60s, yeah, the movement, yeah. Okay. We're in 2020, yet we're still seeing this shit happening. And it's like that, the lynching, all that stuff, I don't know if it ever stopped. You know what I mean? But it's one of those things where it's like, it's just now being talked about. It's just now being videotaped. Like, think about it, though. That's sad that all these years, this shit was going on. And at no point was that ever brought to the surface. So put yourself in a black person's uh, like situation. 
living in fear. I'm even getting goosebumps about it right now. Like living in fear of what might happen based on the color of my skin, not on the color of you know the, the character I am. Like that's that's terrifying. Like people talk about systemic uh, racism and opportunities and all this other stuff. I get that, but at the same time, these people are getting literally like I don't know. Uh, wiped out in, in huge like amounts like due to the poor resources due to poor medical resources due to the fear of living in their own country due to judgment of white people or other people like that's like think just think about that how many years has this been an issue and it's not even been addressed until now you know what i mean like that's it's insane it's scary but anyways back to the positivity <laughs> <laughs> yeah. okay so so my good i was initially gonna share Basically, it's the first time in many cases that I'm seeing white friends and colleagues talking explicitly about race, racism, and anti-blackness. <laughs> but Jeremy said that. I think it's worth... I was thinking as Eric... You have to emphasize Sorry. Uh, Mr. E. <laughs> and then we're talking. I was like, actually, it's worth saying that again. Absolutely. And then the other thing that I wanted to tie in was it's not just white people. So in... I've, I've been seeing um, people translating things like Black Lives Matter into Spanish and into Japanese and into Korean and so that people are able to talk to their elders about these issues. Um, so I'm going to leave that as my good as just people talking explicitly about racism and also talking about it in different languages. I think, I think that's huge. That. Yeah, yeah, go for it. I'm going to add to that because... Um, I was seeing like Amish came out to protest. Oh uh, yeah. Matter. Uh, you have like some Christian leaders speaking out against it. You have uh, corporations, you know, saying Black Lives Matter. You have, of course, black people saying Black Lives Matter. <laughs> you, know, you have like, like white people saying it. So it's like, like he's mentioned around the world, people are yelling Black Lives Matter. So like, yeah, it's most definitely like uh, bigger than it was before. Most definitely. Mm -hmm. So hopefully some change will come from it. Yeah, and going sure. up with what Jeremy's saying, and this time it's positive, I promise. <laughs> I think the, the biggest part that's changed is in the 1960s when civil rights was happening, I truly don't know if the country was ready for it, or the entire country was ready for it, or even the whole world. Mm -hmm. Where now that younger populations kind of didn't have to worry so much, and I, and I say this with like, you know, stepping on, on, sippy, on tippy toes or on eggshells. We haven't faced how bad things were with the older generation in regards to seeing racism head on, where now it's allowed the new generation to kind of be more accepting of others. And, you know, the internet and all that other stuff has opened our world to see things differently, to be a little bit more accepting, if you have not been taught racism, obviously, right? So now, instead of that fear of, oh, I don't want to talk about black stuff because they might label me as a racist or as ignorant, now people are actually being brave enough, and black people are also saying, you know, black celebrities, but, you know, uh, I saw Twitch on Ellen DeGeneres, and yes, I watched Ellen. Um, you know, you're saying, like, I'd rather you talk about it and make a mistake than you not talk about it at all, because silence is the same thing as, as taking a stand in regards to not doing anything about it. Mm -hmm. So I do love the fact that now, you know, like, Dan was saying, like, it's good that people are talking about it, not being afraid of it, not being judged by it. Not only that, but due to more and more diversity throughout the years, now we do have black token friends. I mean, I know that's a horrible <laughs> term to put it, but, like, you have friends or you feel comfortable asking people that you're comfortable with, whether it be coworkers, friends, like, what does this truly mean? What is this about? Because everyone can see it, but unless you feel it, unless you do something about it, then what's the point? You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Sure. So I, I, that, I guess that would be my positivity because I've been negative this whole time. Where <laughs> it's, it's allowing that conversation to happen, you know? And is it going to be uncomfortable? Are you going to say the wrong things? Probably, but who cares? That's the only way to change, you know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like, it's like everything else. Growth is painful. Like, that's the only way we're going to be able to defeat it, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Defeat the racism, like... I mean, I don't know. I grew up in Evanston, and you know how Evanston was. Sure. It was a utopia to some extent in regards to diversity, but at the same time, it allowed you to see the differences within races. You know, mm -hmm. like we had someone living on Dodge and Clark who lived in a car and homeless and all this other stuff where we saw 
people from Wilmette driving in BMWs, Mercedes, freshman year in high school, and you saw the world different, but at the same time, in this little utopia that we had in ETHS, mm -hmm. we were able to be friends, you know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I, then that's just me speaking, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's the experience that I loved about living in Evanston, seeing that diversity, like, no matter where you come from, we're still the same, no matter what, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know, Dan, like, about you, but my experience... <laughs> I had black friends, Latino friends, Asian friends, oh, yeah. gangbangers, drug dealers, uh, kids of CEOs, uh, people who own mansions, people who own, uh, you know, well, the list goes on. Yeah, sure. Parents who were crackheads, parents who were drug dealers, parents who were priests. Yeah. Um, the list goes on, but like, mm -hmm. at the end of the day, you still saw that people are people, regardless of color, regardless of the background, regardless of, I think it's... What I'm saying, what I'm getting to is people are more the same than them. they're different if yeah. you give them the opportunity to have that bond or to, you know, let, like, sure. environment to join, like, create a bond or whatever. Yeah. I'm done. Okay, <laughs> I appreciate it. Um, I, um, I will just respond to what you said. Like, I did have a similar experience in Evanston where the just like the, the differences between like, it's kind of weird looking at it now. I'd be like, yeah, I, I had friends of all different races, um, all different classes, all different types of life experience, different religions. Like, and I feel like that could be honestly like, you know, part, I, I feel like I've shared parts of my story, in my previous podcast episodes, like just like I could make a whole episode or multiple episodes about my time in Evanston and then my time afterwards and my Absolutely. kind of rude awakening to the world as it actually is. And, and, and also looking back at my hometown and seeing as great as things, as certain things were, there's also still issues there. Um, and it took me a while to kind of dissect what that looks like. But um, I do want to moving ahead. I don't know if you get something to add there, Jeremy, but... Um, I got something to add to the band. Okay. All right. <laughs> let's go. Now, now we're transitioning to what is the bad... About what is going on right now? <laughs> oh no! Okay, so well with the bad, um, just the racist. It's the, it's, <laughs> can we curse on here? We can curse on here. Like, it's the motherfuckers that always be talking about some goddamn all lives matter. <laughs> and then it's like the people that they, they see the protests and you know they said they had nothing to say about the murders of George Floyd, Breonna Taylor, or Ahmaud Arbery, but they have something to say when they see looting. Mm. You know. Like, oh, well, that shouldn't be the type of protest that you use. You know, you just keep your protest peaceful. There should be no looting. But they probably are saying people that got pissed off at Kaepernick for kneeling during the national anthem because he was disrespecting the military, which I don't know who the fuck came up with that excuse. Like, he said nothing about the military, but all of a sudden it's about the military. Anyway, like, those are the ones that are making it bad because they're trying to turn the focus from what the problem actually was and the actual cause of the protests and the rioting to the reaction to it. And like personally I was I was, you know, down there last Saturday, mm -hmm. um, where it you know, shit hit the fan. Like they, you know, burned car cop cars, they they was like looting and it was fucking beautiful, in my opinion. <laughs> it, was, it was fucking beautiful because it was downtown Chicago. Mm -hmm. It's where the tourists go, it's where the like the rich people go. All of this is downtown Chicago. Like it's like look, look look what's happening. You know, like, you didn't do anything when the protests were peaceful. And now, all of a sudden, oh, 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 hold up, hold up. <laughs> like, because America cares about money. That's, that's all it is. If, it, if, it's, if money isn't involved, then they don't care. And I feel, honestly, that's how come some of the corporations started to speak out. Because, like, oh, well, they're attacking shit. Like, yeah, they're looting shit. Like, this is, this is, this is some shit. <laughs> you know? Like, so, that's the bad that I got from it was, like, the people that, you know, just complained about what they were seeing on TV as a reaction, but they didn't have anything to say about what actually happened, and they probably were going to say Blue Lives Matter if they did, which isn't a fucking thing. Right? So, <laughs> I, could, I, could, I could go on <laughs> this particular uh, portion of the good, the bad, and the what the fuck, but ho hopefully what I'm saying is that they are, like, the, the media... Uh, it's still trying to focus on, you know, the reason behind the protest, even though on social media, you see the people that, you know, have their heads wrapped around the fact that, oh, you know, you shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do that, but they don't have any type of, you know, uh, solution to the problem. They just want you to not react. They, they want you to basically not react. 
mm-hmm. because they don't yeah. like a peaceful protest, they don't like the riot, the looting, and they don't pay attention to the peaceful. They don't pay attention to the peaceful protest that they, you know, if we did do that. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I'll, I'll, uh, yeah. It's not a table. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we can we can linger here for a while because it's it's bad it's bad that we have to talk about this. <laughs> uh, but uh, from my perspective, my challenge or critique is that it's so it's there are so many diverging paths from here, right? Um, like what what I think should be, you know, the response is you know, let's end state-funded violence against black people and brown people um, through the, you know, abolition of prisons and police. But this is kind of be, being sanitized a little bit into, like, oh, we need to be better or uh, something like that. You know, I think that movements need to have, um, you know, specific time goal, uh, time-bound achievable goals and defunding the police or something like that is, is a really specific and achievable goal if we all kind of like work towards that. But there's so many kind of things going in all different directions. People are like, oh, I need to examine myself. It's like, no, guys, like people are dying. Yeah. <laughs> we need to take immediate action. Mm-hmm. But that's kind of being lost a little bit in some of the like, oh, my God, I feel so guilty about this. I've never had to think mm-hmm. about race before kind of language and noise. Yeah. Was it? Anything else here? I was going to jump in. Like, yeah, I feel the same way where, I don't know. I, I guess I never looked at it like that, Jeremy. Like, when, when you mentioned, like, you have to bring it, you know, of course the country wor- works on money, right? So you want to hit them where it hurts or bring the attention there. I never thought about it like that. Like, the way I looked at it was, as Dan was mentioning, there is not really a leader like there was during the civil rights, right? Martin Luther King, like, you know, stressing the peaceful marching and, and stressing, like, this is the goal, blah, blah, blah. Also, it doesn't sound like there's a lot of goals that we're looking for, right? Don't get me wrong, Black Matters, Black Lives Matter, it's dumb. Yeah, that's the goal, but how do we do that? And I don't know if cutting funds is the best way. I think using funds differently would be better, like, in, regard, in regards to police reform. You know what I mean? Like, how is it fair that all these, sorry, Dan, white uh, <laughs> people that go into these places with AR-15s can, you know, shoot no matter how many people there are. But, you know, and and not only that, but they were, uh, what's the word, uh, restrained or what is it called? Like, you know, non-lethally or they they didn't get killed. Oh, yeah, sure. Like the Vegas Vegas shooter? The Vegas shooter, the guy in uh, the church in Little Rock, uh, what else? The list goes on. I I mean, all the white, crazy white people with machine guns. Exactly, exactly. (laughs) At no point was there any lethal action used against that. But a black dude with a brush gets shot? Come on. Or I'm going to empty up a clip on a black guy? Come on. Or, more recently, I'm going to put a knee on a black guy who is restrained with a supposedly fake $20 bill that was real. That's bullshit. Like, if you're going to enforce the law, enforce it equally. You know what I mean? Yeah. And whether that's, maybe we should change the weapons that we have to less non-lethal. That way, there, doesn't, there won't be any human error. Like, you know, I'm racist, but I can't kill a black guy. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know if that would be a good way to go about it police reform, uh, maybe putting resources into uh, communities that are, you know, struggling, and that way there will be less opportunities for them to go into crime. Like, when you don't have a choice, you need a choice to, to survive, right? So mm-hmm. you're going to choose gang banging or drug dealing, and no, I don't have the experience in any of that stuff, but I'm just saying stuff that people that I've heard about or from stuff that I've, you know, read or whatever the case may be. So I think it's just like... What's the goal? What's realistic? Mm-hmm. The lack of leadership. Not a lack of leadership, but like, I don't know, for the looting stuff, I think a lot of them were not only people bringing attention to the cause, but also opportunists. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? A, bu- a bunch of it was opportunists. I, I wasn't an opportunist. I'm going to say. I saw quite a few. But <laughs> 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 well, not only that, but like, also learn from the, from the past. Yeah. Um, no, I'm not from the South Side, but I have a lot of coworkers <laughs> that are from the South Side who told me during the Martin Luther King riots that shit fucked up their community. And Jeremy, please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, and I don't know where you're from. I'm not assuming that you're from so the South Side, but 
But like, you know, the older the older coworkers that I have, they're like, riots happen. They fuck up the community. These black owners that had stores there, or white owners, whatever the fuck they are. Oh shit! Am I gonna collect this insurance money and build my company there again? No, fuck no. There's a risk it might be looted or some shit like that. I'm gonna move out, old park or out of the suburbs. So then what happens? There's deserts, literally deserts. So now that people or the companies are moving back in there, they see this again. Is it gonna be another desert? Is it gonna be another West Side where there's buildings still burnt from the 1960s that have not been renovated? That have not. Like, people are afraid of putting their money back in there. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So is it going to increase that desert, or is it going to increase that, uh, what, stigma of the South Side, blah, 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 blah. You know what I mean? So yeah, I, sure. I see a lot of negativ- negativity behind it, but, like, it is difficult to, like, identify how to really fix it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I think it, it really is going to be, they're going to they're gonna be a lot of time needed and I think a lot of like civil rights activists that need to step up to the plate and really identify what needs to be done. And the worst part too, or not the worst, but the difficult part is there's so many different perspectives. Yeah. Who, if you choose one thing, another population might be like, well, no, that's too weak. If you p- to pick another thing, oh no, that's too strong. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's like, sure. how do we make everyone happy? Um, and, just to jump in, so two things. Um, it was beautiful, the looting of downtown. I will say that to the day I die. But I did not <laughs> no like it. Was a, it was a looting of the neighborhoods. Like, you know, mm. kind of like the, the Mariano's down the street from me, they, they looted, like, you know, the stuff on 87, like all of that. I didn't, I didn't like that because if it was, you took it too far. Major point, major statement, because you looted downtown, and downtown is where Chicago gets their money, they're going to put their money. But the neighborhoods, like you said, if it's a black-owned business, or any owned, like Walmart, I think, on 87th, is no longer talking about they're not going to reopen it or something like that. Uh-huh. That in itself shows me what type of corporation Walmart is because yeah. you're closing that now after it got looted. Like, if it was actually losing sales or anything, you would have closed it well before this. So but all, about all it, of a sudden now, you want to close it. But they're using that as an excuse. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that, that just shows what they, you know, they don't care, you know? Like, but uh, besides that, also, you brought up a point about how their... Uh, like we had Mark back then, Martin Luther King, we had Malcolm X, but I also want to bring up the fact that the reason that Black Lives Matter has so many, no head basically, you know, it's just a movement. It's not an organization, I would say, but it's a movement it's trying to be organized. But you look at what happened to those leaders, you know, MLK he was a peaceful protester, killed by the government, which they found out they declared in 98 was actually true. Um, Malcolm X, killed by. I don't even want to get into that, but killed. Yes, you know yes, yes. Yep. Like, like he was killed. You know, probably not by the Nation of Islam, but by members of the Nation of Islam, because working along with the FBI, he was just gaining too much traction, too much attention. Like, so those leaders were killed, and because I, personally, I feel with the whole Quintel Pro that was happening, where they actually they went out and killed. Uh, oh my, how the fuck do I forget his name? Like, literally, my mind just went blank. But December 4th, 1969. Oh, and Fred Hampton? Yes. Oh, my God. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They went and killed him. Yeah. You know, because he was bringing together the Hispanic community, the uh, Asian community, along with the black community. Yeah. I guess they had, I don't know if they had any white people that was probably. You know, probably. But he, he, was, <laughs> he was such a young, you know, very wise, very wise beyond his years, but they killed him. Sure. You know, he was like. Not going to say he's going to be the next Malcolm X or Martin Luther King, but I feel like he, from the speeches I heard him give, he was a blend of them both. Sure. You know, he he he'll pull out a gun on you like Malcolm X, but he'll talk to you like Martin Luther King. You know, yeah, <laughs> like yeah, bring yeah. you together. Like so the government had him killed, and so I feel like you got to look at that and like how the government was like able to get rid of the leaders mm-hmm. back then, and probably yeah. I don't know how they, you know, what's happening behind the scenes, but possibly. They try to make sure that there will never be a leader like that, and that's that's my point. <laughs> no matter what approach you go in, you know Martin Luther King was all about peace, right? What happened to him? Killed. Uh, Malcolm X, he was a little bit more aggressive, and no, I don't know too much about Malcolm X, but he was killed. So it's like no matter what approach you take, there's always going to be opposition. Sure. That might, <laughs> I mean, uh, obviously take you out. So it's like. 
what direction do we go in? Or do we try to get politicians into it? You know what I mean? Like, I just, I don't know. Yeah. I guess that's, that's a conversation, like, worth having. Like, how do we make that change? Or yeah. what do we do? Yeah. I want to insert my bad, because I haven't spoken on the segment yet. Um, it's, you know, and it, I, but I think it kind of goes into what you're all saying. And, like, it is the fact that suddenly it's, like, I'm not even, it's like, it, I think so much has happened in the past week and a half, it's so hard to digest, and there's so much, trauma. In, there's trauma, there's so much, well, there's this kind of thinking about, like, I guess my bad, I mean, this is specific, because um, I do think what you guys are talking about in terms of, like, leaders, goals, all those things are really important. Um, one thing I want, do, want to draw attention to is this, like, reading about different circumstances where there's the continual police reaction and even the city of Chicago, the city's reaction to protesters, um, our president's reaction like that bad is insane to me. It's like, I mean, I'll just point one specific thing out. Every previous living president has had a positive statement that they've released, including freaking George Bush jr. (laughs) We like, we all, you know, grew up in a time where we had to deal with that guy and, I remember being in 2003, starting the Iraq War, and being like, this is BS. Why are we doing this? Like, look, like, these were bad dudes. I mean, they were, like, very conservative politicians for their time, and they were doing very crappy things. I mean, like, they helped to bring in the 2008 financial crisis, as opposed to our current one. Um, and, and I'm thinking, like, that was, like, that was the worst we had at the time. And now it's like, he's, I mean, like, Looking at certain things George Bush Jr. has done that have been positive in comparison to current president is kind of crazy. I'm like, that was our bad. That was our standard to the 2000s. And it's just like, wow, even he had something to say about this. And it's like, really? That guy? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and so, like, you know, I, I, it's disgusting to me that Donald Trump calls himself the law and order president. It's like all coded words, all coded language to be just really racist. Mm-hmm. Um, you can bring your attention even more, not just George Bush. Um, Mad Dog Mattis, the general. Okay. Did you hear about what he said? No. Um, yes, you look it up. But Mad Dog Mattis, the general who's known to be a badass, hardcore MFer, like, one, not only does military always try to stay apolitical, because they serve the government, not a uh, group, right? That's sure. just part of the government or the democracy that they try to instill. But this, you know, badass, one, his military shouldn't have spoken out. Two, he said that working under this president has been the worst experience of his lifetime because he's immature and he's more about um, not uniting the United States. You know what I mean? I'm like, damn, that's huge. That's huge. Every military, like... Uh, specialists is like, this is insane. Like, the last time this happened was during the Vietnam War, when a military uh, person, even retired military, like, they said something political. And uh, it was a huge deal that I heard over the this week. And I think it's like, there's so much going on where it's hard to keep track of everything that's happening with not only Trump, but also with with, uh, with uh, Black Lives Matter. But anyways, continue. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. So, like, that's, I mean, that's part of my WTF, of just, like, watching just the president do these things. I mean, like, we brought up David McAtee earlier, and, like, thinking about his death is particularly sad because it was, like, he was having his own community gathering, uh, and then the protest came to him, and, like, basically the cops got aggressive, some shots were fired, um, and he was basically wanting to get people out of out of there, and he had a gun on him, he was about to fire a warning shot, basically. I feel like I'm butchering the story a little bit, but the cops just killed him. And he was a center pillar of his community. Um, he had cops coming to, like, eat at his restaurant, even. He was a very friendly man, a very loving man. And it's just, like, crazy to me, because it's, like, I think there's another thing, I mean, I don't know if we can go off this topic, but it's, like, this kind of goes back to Breonna Taylor. It's like, if you're a black person that owns a gun, you're not as respected as a white person that owns a gun. It's like, we talk about, I mean, not to get into the like, Second Amendment issues, but it's just like, okay, like, there's clearly, like, you if you're anyway seen as 
black and dangerous, that's like a word that's like, those are words that are put together. Like, we don't think about white and dangerous. Like, <laughs> what like, are you asking? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm, I'm saying I'm saying that as a white Ameri- as a white American who people like in white America like that's how they see things. You take me to a town with Confederate flags, I believe you. I, I tr- trust me, I will be afraid of white people. Of course. <laughs> I, I'm I'm I'm, I know, sh- I know, I know. I'm sharing that in terms of just like how how our law enforcement treats people of color, yeah. treats black people particularly. It's like you are going to be treated differently because of your race, no matter what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's part of my bad. It's part of the reason the protests and looting. Um, so I I feel like this is kind of getting into this topic, but I want to get to the WTF. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Actually, what uh, Jeremy was sharing earlier sort of addresses at least part of my WTF, and that is, I'm really conf- I was confused. It's more clear to me now. <laughs> Thank you for pointing it out. Um, why there's been such a hesitancy for politicians and kind of more specifically the Democratic Party to like truly kind of like step up during this time and take leadership during this time. Particularly, we are four months out or six months out from um, a presidential election, um, and it just seems like liberal quote unquote liberal politicians are really hesitant to speak out about this topic. They're in, the, they're in the greatest position of power to make change, and just doesn't seem like anyone's really kind of taking that on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, stuff for AOC. I like AOC. I uh, need to. And she's going to throw it out there. She's so attractive. <laughs> <laughs> I love her brain, though. I, I, I love AOC. I'll come back with I mean... <laughs> <laughs> So like, other than her, yeah, I, like it's like you, you have a few, you know, that speak out, but yeah, that, that, that is a what the fuck, honestly. That's not my what the fuck, but your what the fuck. I'm so confused by it. <laughs> it's so frustrating. Yeah, it's yeah. so frustrating. We've had four years to figure out a way to unite, um, you know, people who <laughs> care about black people in this country and who care about civil rights, who care about, uh, you know, I guess the future of our country. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't appear that a lot of that work has been done by those who claim to be for that. Right. Like, it's... it's yeah, that's, that's the whole topic in itself, honestly, when you think about it. Like, what politicians are not doing. Yes. You know, they're, they're quick to protect their property. You know, they're quick to do that. They're quick to deploy trucks. They're quick to raise bridges on protests. They're quick to, like, you know, like, condemn, you know, looters. But when it comes to actually getting to the root of the problem, you know where their hands are at, where their you know where their pockets are being fed by, like these rich people that probably don't care, you know. Like hopefully, I guess it's just hope. Hopefully, change will be coming. But yeah, like it, it it's, it's frustrating with that. Mm-hmm. You know, with that. Um, my WTF actually is towards the uh, Latinx community. Like, like that was some what the fuck when I started seeing videos of like uh, two six and Latin kings attacking black people that was just going through the neighborhood. This is I don't know. This is not everywhere, but this is particularly Chicago. Um, so like uh, I don't know if you people that are listening heard, which I'm pretty sure they probably did. Like, but uh, there were there are majority Spanish neighbors neighborhoods that were at first protecting their businesses from being looted, which I can you know respect and understand. But then some, not all, I wouldn't say like all of the gang members, but then some gang members were actually just attacking anybody that were driving past that was black, whether it be a woman and her kids or actually just a man, you know, whatever. Like, so it, it got out of hand. And that's my WCF, like what the actual F. <laughs> you know, like, like uh, you know, you think that we'd be, on the same side as this because as a minority, like Hispanics are treated like, you know, almost on the same level as blacks when it comes to being criminalized, you know, and looked at looked at as thugs and things like that. So you would think that, you know, we'd be arm in arm with this, but like at the same time it comes to show how like, all minorities have prejudices, you know, and like unfortunately, uh, blacks are looked down upon by majority, if not all other minorities that do have prejudices. So that just came out, you know, and that was my WTF because it's like this is not something that I, I, 
I want nor you know should happen because it could lead to something much worse. Mm-hmm. You know, especially with it being with gangs being involved, and then you might have black versus Spanish gang, you know, warfare. Which I think hopefully is not. I haven't heard any you know thing happening lately. Like, but uh, that was that would not have been pretty. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's my WTF moment from the whole situation. Um, I'm with Jeremy. I mean, like that's, <laughs> there's a whole episode that we could do with what the fuck or negativity. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, give me an hour. Like, <laughs> um, I don't know. I think, one, Jeremy definitely opened my eyes to why there isn't someone taking the leadership. Two, I feel like it's sad that people are afraid to take that leadership, but at the same time, I mean, look at our history. Like, yeah, the government really is not supporting inclusion. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I can go on and on and on and on. I don't know if I want to or not, though. But, like, yeah. it's just fucked up. And then in regards to the black and Latino issue, like, I think we always have to take a look at this. These are actions of individuals, mm-hmm. not of the group, right? Yeah. So, yes, I totally understand where you're coming from, where Latinos were attacking black people. But in another part, I saw an article of Latin Kings um, uniting with Black Keystones, uh, a black gang, and actually protecting their neighborhood together. Like, that's beautiful. That's, that's, that's unity. Another thing, too, is, like, you're absolutely right. Like, there is a lot of um, issues between Latinos and, and blacks, but I think a lot of it is almost systemic. Like, look at Chicago, like... Black people, yeah, let's keep them on the south side. Latinos, yeah, let's keep them on the west side. White people, you guys can go wherever you want. Gentrify all you want, you know what I mean? Uh, you know, I don't know. It's it's just, it's interesting to me, that's all. But um, I think it's that. A lot of it, I don't, think, I don't think Latinos look down on black people. I think it's more fear, to be honest, and ignorance. Um, I think blacks and Latinos are very similar culturally, but I think it's the fear of the media. You know what I mean? Like, Latinos, again, sadly enough, how are black people displayed in, in the media? Gangbangers and bad and blah, blah, blah. How's the South Side painted? It's a war zone. I work in Englewood. I do see a lot of people, a lot of families living there. Like, it, it's not a war zone. You know what I mean? Like, it's just, and like any other neighborhood, does it have more violence than others? Maybe. I don't know. But at the end of the day, it's like, I think for me, what the fuck moment is, because of my background, because of what I've done and because of my job, like, it's sad that we can't see ourselves people are people regardless of color. Mm-hmm. I've, I've, been bat- I've been backstabbed by Latinos many times. I've been taken under the wing of black people, white people, Asians, like, you name it. Like, I don't know. It's just sad that the world doesn't see that. Like, people are people. And mm-hmm. if I cut myself, it's red. Jeremy cuts himself, it's red. <laughs> and I mean, like, we all cut ourselves, we're all red. Like, we're all the same. Yeah. It's just sad. Like, you, well, you look at dogs. Different fucking breeds, but they get along, right? They they even have sex with each other. We're all the same species. Like we're all the same species, and you can't even like get past that. Like yeah. we're all humans. Like I don't know. It's just it's ridiculous. But I can go on and on and on and on about it. I I did you guys see that video about the um, black guy and the Texas reporter talking? No, no. Um, like this black woman was like going against like this black uh this uh i don't know if he was an activist or a reporter i don't know what he was right but she's like you know what are your thoughts about immigration and this and that and you know violence on black people you know just talking and he's like well first of all i think um it's fucked up that you guys are making laws or uh, aggressive laws against latinos you guys are fucking immigrants like the native americans should have made laws against you people you guys should go back to your country and that's extreme do I feel like that? No comment. But that's extreme. <laughs> and then he was saying how blacks and Latinos, black people have their own issues. Latinos have their own issues too, right? Right now, we're the scapegoat for the United States. We've all been, every race has been a scapegoat, right? At one point, it was Irish. At one point, it was Asians. At one point, it, well, black people was always been a scapegoat, sadly enough. And then now Latinos, and it's like, yeah, I agree with Jeremy. Yeah, we should all unite. But what are we uniting for? You know what I mean? Like, what is the new America going to look like? What do we need to do? Yeah. Another what the fuck moment is, how are these, all these other countries that have not, like, in, I don't know if you guys saw Sweden, they haven't killed a criminal in 10 fucking years. Wow. Really? In Australia, no, 
mass shooting in like 10 years. They had one mass shooting in the 90s. Within the week, there were new laws. In Japan, no one can have a gun unless you have a license, you're trained, and you have a reason why you have a gun. Like, the list goes on of all these countries not having mass shootings, not having racial issues, or not as big as America. What the fuck is our problem? You know what I mean? Like, is it the government? Is it the people in charge? And unfortunately, in America, who has the most money? Most of the white people, you know, and like the big corporations, the big companies. So does that mean these old school white families are in control of the government? Like last time I saw, those are the people throwing in 400000 millions of dollars to the Republicans to this, to that. You know what I mean? Like, it's fucked up. Like, I, I guess my what the fuck moment is, what the fuck do we do? You know, at this point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, like, with everything that we got, with all these studies of, uh, you know... Black communities struggling with education. Now, Betsy Duvo, whatever that oh bitch's name is. Oh, we don't want to do uh, research on that. Are you kidding? What do you mean you don't want to do research on that? There's years and years and years and years of how minorities are treated different from white people or white communities are treated different from black people, but you can't see that or you can't even say you're going to try to change the, the differences in communities. Like, that's bullshit. Yeah. And that's a rich white family. So my biggest what the fuck or my biggest fear is will it ever change? Or are these rich white families, you know, hopefully in the future they'll see that this isn't the way. Like it's it's just I don't know. It's it's frustrating. Yeah. But again, this can be a whole fucking episode of like yeah, but, <laughs> I'm gonna wrap up and speak real quick. <laughs> Thanks, Jeremy, for I like all like people. We're not experts by any means, so you know I don't know. We're just four guys having a conversation. That oh is my all. gosh! I'm not a political expert, not a military expert. None. None of that. I got nothing but love for people. Oh, I'm a little WTF. Actually, what is my WTF? Um, the fact that we have to have this conversation. Something Dan said. I totally agree with that. Um, I guess. I'm about to actually think about this because I think, as everyone's been saying, there's actually so many WTFs. There's so many triggers. Yeah. Um, my WTF, I guess, I have to go. I mean, I don't even like talking about this, but still, Donald Trump. I don't know. Like that man has been impeached and is still the president of the United States. Um, His rhetoric and like the fact that he—it's like he won't change no matter what. He, there's literally there's literally no breaking point with this guy. Like we are currently going through, like most. I mean, like this is like the biggest push for civil rights I've seen in this country since. I mean, I wasn't alive for it. I mean, since I heard about it happening in the '60s, you know. Um, well, we did have Rodney King, but well, we were all kids. We always have these incidents. Like Rodney King was a thing. Yes, you're right about that. Um, there's you can point to small incidents. That was probably the biggest one that's happened in the past frick like 50 years. Like, yeah, we have, we've had incidents, but, like, this is different. I, I appreciate, you know, on the good side, like, this is such a mass awareness moment, but the bad is, like, we still have this president who's still continuing to divide our country, continuing to incite violence, continuing to encourage police to do something that doesn't actually help. It's, like, the more we involve police into things, the worse things get. Like, that's just kind of seems to, like, police do not know how to de-escalate. You bring an officer in with a uniform on, people get afraid. When you see, you know, caravans of cop cars in Chicago, as you have for the past few months, I don't feel calm. I feel afraid. I feel more afraid now than I would have felt if I had saw no cop car. I see a cop car, I get afraid. People respond that way. It's a response. I, <laughs> little weird aside, like, driving at night, like, I see lots of, I mean, you see it in the daytime, too. Like, downtown, weirdly full of National Guard and state troopers right now. And for some reason, in spite of how actually kind of screwed up that is, I don't feel as triggered if I had seen a blue cop car with its lights on. Oh, hell yeah. I, I fucking agree with you with that. Yeah. I'd rather be surrounded by National Guardsmen. I don't know why I would be surrounded by National Guardsmen. But I'd rather be surrounded by National Guardsmen. Than a police officer, like uh, me and a friend, I'm not mentioning names. We were walking downtown. And we like turned the corner on Roosevelt Estate. This was like a few weeks ago, before before George Floyd's death. And um, I, I don't know why police were out, but they were like chilling. It was about like ten of them, five on each side, just chilling. And we like literally stopped. Whoa, 
whoa, oh, oh, we're not doing anything. Let's see if we can make our way through. And like, you know, they started joking with us because we everybody has to wear masks and whatever. So we were talking about masks. Like, but I got the same fear when I saw them that I would get if I was like walking late at night and I came across like 10 guys that looked like they were probably, you know, looking to rob somebody. I got that same exact fear. I'm like, why do I have that fear? I shouldn't have that fear. Mm-hmm. Like, it makes no sense because on their cars is to serve and to protect. But then you got to think about it. Who are they serving and protecting? Who calls them on a regular basis as if they're their personal security <laughs> versus who, like, you know, worries about calling them because they might come and escalate the situation instead of de-escalate the situation? You know, like, yeah, it's not me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But continue. Though. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. Um but I, I, I think that's my biggest WTF is like this is there's been so many opportunities for this president to make things better. And it's like COVID nineteen. You screwed that up, you screwed up you know, you're screwing this up right now. You've screwed up every situation that's come before you. We are in a such a world like remember when like Barack Obama was president like four years ago and how things were significantly better at that time for everybody and how we've become more divisive, more quite frankly evil to each other as people like it's disgusting um and this has been a very long episode (laughs) um but i appreciate everyone sharing i i'm gonna actually have a little i don't know a little segment if you could leave everyone with one sentence with how i don't know how you feel could you just throw it out there i mean sorry i'm putting you on the spot right now but um take your time to think a little bit go ahead well, we not. <laughs> no, actually, uh, my sentence is just this. I've been saying it quite frequently lately. I made it my signature at work in my internal email. Like, 2020, the year we didn't want, but possibly the year we needed. Mm. But I'm going to say Black Lives Matter. Uh, I guess just three words that come to me. I don't know. It doesn't... It doesn't make sense together, but in, in my head it makes sense. Like, just hope, love, and change. Mm. Mm. I guess I will say, uh, specifically to the people in the room, that I love you guys. And Aww. I care about you. Love you too, man. Ditto. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, thanks, everybody, who turned into this episode. Um, you listening to this, um, to what I produce, makes this podcast worth it. I'm like 95% sure the next episode will continue my story from episode 3. Thank you for being patient with that. I hope you enjoyed these past few episodes that I've made. Um, Please subscribe to their only waves and continue to tune in. I promise I will continue to produce quality content, and I hope you've enjoyed listening to this production. Until next time, I hope you continue to wrestle with the concepts that we presented in these episodes, and please always offer me feedback as you feel needed. I truly appreciate all of it. Peace!